so and the here we go we're all falling apart right here in front of everybody if you're uh, new here today it's because it's our very first Sunday nothing works we haven't been here rumor is we've been here five years today's our first day so we're excited to have you here today and uh, there we go all right good to have you all right my name is Mark Holmes and I'm the janitor here the pastor didn't show up today and I found a Bible backstage, and I've never done this before, so let's see how this works out. If you're new here today, uh, we hope you got a connection card when you walk. I am the pastor, by the way. So you're like, the janitor? Um, so uh, uh, if, you got a, if you walked in today, you got a connection card? Hey, uh, if you are here for the very first time today, we'd love for you to take that connection card after church today, right out there in the lobby to your right. It's our welcome table. we got a really cool gift for all of our first-time guests. Also, if you're a second-time guest, returning guest, if you just do the same exact thing, just take that card and out there to the welcome table to the right, uh, we've got a free gift for all of our first returning guests today, so we're excited to have you guys here uh, today. It's going to be uh, a good time. So we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and uh, open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're at today. All right, so go ahead and turn it on. It's going to be on the screen here in just a moment. We're not going to get there yet, but we're going to get there in just a minute. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. But I want to pray for us before we jump in uh, this morning. Let's pray really quick. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for everybody that's here today. And Jesus, I just thank you that, that God, this is your church. And we are your people. And we just submit to that today. We just surrender to you today, God. Surrender to you because, God, you're good. You're always faithful. Father, I thank you that you are with me right here and now on this stage. Jesus, that you, that you love us. And God, more than anything today, you, you want to speak to us. You want to open up our eyes to see you. So God, would you do that? Would you get our attention? Would you keep us from distraction? Jesus, would you do whatever it takes so you'd break through our hearts, break through the noise, break through the distraction, and we would see Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, today we are wrapping up our series Future Me. Before I jump in, I want to show you some stuff. Last night, we had, uh, our, uh, we had a student event called Breakout. We've, uh, for the past couple years, we'd always done an event called The Walking Dead. And last year, after that event was over, we said this year we wanted to do something different. So this year we did something we've never done before. At our student building, we did an event called Breakout. Took our student building and made it into two different escape rooms. If you don't know what that is, you can check that out on the internet. Uh, but it was a really good time. We had about 70 students there. And uh, I want to show you some pictures over here. This is just a group of kids. And there's uh, Sean Creech right there in a cage dressed up as a zombie. Those kids did not beat him up and put him in that cage. He volunteer, voluntarily walked into that cage to uh, scare teenagers and just, man, we had, a, we had a really good time. I want to show you another picture. We, we're going to have a bonfire where kids could uh, roast s'mores and do all kinds of stuff while they're waiting to go in. Look at this next picture. That fire there, uh, if there's nothing left of Christopher, it's because we burned it down last night. We just said, you know what, just burn the whole thing to the ground. That fire was at least 15 foot higher or higher, and we said, you know what, we probably ought to have kids sign waivers before they make a s'more. Um, and so, uh, so if, you're, if your kid came home last night without eyebrows, it's our fault, all right? So, so. And uh, show you, you know, just picture you, I don't know if the lights, you can't see it, but there's Tony Bashir, Renata Creech, and Renata's all zombified, and uh, blood coming out of her mouth, the way a church event ought to go. And so, uh, so it's awesome. But here's what you know, I don't know, man, we had about 70 kids there, but man, we had at least five kids last night give their life to Jesus. And so, man, that was an awesome time last night. And, uh, and hey, really quick, really quick before we do jump in, 
Tonight at 6.30 is our Halloween bash for our Summit Student Ministry. So if you're a middle school, high school student, they're meeting together tonight at 6.30. You can dress up. They're going to do all kinds of, they're going to do all kinds of crazy stuff down there. But it's tonight, 6.30 at the student building. All right, so there you go. So we are today wrapping up our series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks called The Future Me. And what we've done in this series is we are talking about this massive renovation project that God does in our life called sanctification. And what we've said every single week of this series is that sanctification is the process of God making us more like Jesus. And so the moment you give your life to Jesus, we, we've said this in this series, God begins to work in you, making you more like Jesus, that we would begin to trust God the way Jesus did, love people the way Jesus did. And so God begins this massive renovation, changing us inside out, and theologically, biblically, the word is sanctification. And the, and, and, and the way that we've kind of explained that, we've actually used this picture, I think, that's going to show up here for the, every single week in this series. And just to kind of recap very quickly, you can check it out on our app. The past sermons are on summithazard.com. But who I used to be is our life before we meet Jesus. Now, maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you came, you were there, giving out, we were doing free family photos, giving your uh, kids all kinds of candy backstage. I don't, know, I don't know what, over there in the kids' area, not backstage, that'd be odd. But, uh, <laughs> come backstage. Um, but no matter what got you here, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, that's where you are. We're all born on that side of the gap. The Bible says that we are born separated from God because of sin. We all start there. And then, and then eventually uh, we give our lives to Jesus. And the moment that happens, we begin to live in the gap. And the gap is the space between where we are and where God is taking us. That's the gap. The gap is the space between how we see ourselves and who God is says we are. You can see it on the other side. In the gap, we struggle, don't we? In the gap, nobody has it all together. In the gap, we are completely forgiven. I mean, God says we're a brand new creation, but we can struggle with a lot of things. In the gap, following Jesus is hard. In the gap, following Jesus is messy. We will live in the gap as long as we are in this life. Now, God is going to get us to the other side. Philippians 1.6 says that God finishes what he starts in us. So God is going to finish that sanctifying work that he started in all of us. But as long as there is breath in our lungs on this side of eternity, you and I, yes, we, we're going to talk about it this morning. Yes, we can move forward in our relationship with God. Yes, there's absolutely going to be growth. But we will live in the gap. So as we've talked about the past couple of weeks, here's what we're doing today as we wrap this up. Today, we are talking about what you and I do to get to where God has taken us. Because when we meet Jesus, it isn't as if we just kind of shift into neutral and then wait for him to take us to heaven. There are some things that God wants us to do. If you and I are going to get from here to where God wants to take us, there are certain things. There are things we've got to do. So that's what we're going to talk about about today. So if you got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up, turn it on to your phone or whatever you're packing, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It's going to be on the screen here. There it is right there if you don't have a Bible. This is Paul, and Paul says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we and imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, if you know me, if you've been at Summit for a while, you've probably heard me talk about the fact that I love to run. I love to run. I, I run a lot and I just love it. But as a runner, 
There are, if, if you run, you know this. As a runner, one of my favorite things about running are all of the things that people will yell at you while you're running. It's one of my favorite things about running. It's all the things that people will yell at you uh, from their house or from their car or just before they run over you and, and all that stuff. I just love some of the things that people yell at me while I'm running. And, uh, and I've had people yell uh, basically anything that you could imagine. Someone could yell at a person who might be running down the road. I've had that um, yelled at me. But, but there's a few things that I hear all the time, and they've just become my favorite. Okay? And so, so one that comes to mind when I think about things that people yell at me when I'm running, or people, things that people that uh, they yell at runners, one is uh, just the standard, you're running down the road, guy rolls down his window, and I feel, like the, I feel like if you do this, you're not even trying. I feel like you feel like you've got to yell something at a runner, so you do this, but there's not much imagination in it, but it's the guy that rolls down his window at the runner and just goes, woo! And they never do it once, it's a couple times. I feel like you're not trying. If that's you today, you need to give your life to Jesus because Jesus can give you a sanctified imagination to at least yell something better than, Woo! right? But, but, but I have two top two, top two most repeated things that people yell at me and basically every runner in the world. The first one is the classic, where are you running from? That's classic. And, and, and what that says to me is, it's obvious there's nothing behind me. What that says to me is you're delusional. That's what that says. The problem is with you. Uh, but here's the number one. Number one thing people yell at me and all runners is, uh, run, Forrest, run! So, um, and then basically I, I run far enough to slap them once they get out of their car. And, uh, but but, but here's, the, here's the deal. You just saw running is in the Bible. So what that means is runners are more spiritual than the average person. Let's go home. That's all the sermon is today. Um, no, that's not the sermon at all. But here is, here's what's happening here. This is the Apostle Paul, and here's what you need to know about Paul. Paul, before he meets Jesus, his name was Saul, and Saul hated Christianity. He, was, he literally was, he was a terrorist. And Saul, he was a Pharisee, so he was a very religious person, but he hated Christianity. He would go into cities and towns and kill Christians, arrest Christians, he would persecute Christians. And Acts chapter 9 tells the story of how Saul was going into a town named Damascus, and he was going there on the king's orders. He was going into Damascus to arrest Christians, have Christians beaten, persecuted, and he was going to do this to men, women, children. He didn't care, he just hated Christianity. But Jesus miraculously appears to Saul on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9, you can read about it, and Saul doesn't become perfect. We've talked about that in this series. You can go back two weeks ago to the first part of Future Me. Saul doesn't become perfect, but Jesus so changes his life, he gives him a new name, Paul. I mean, he's not perfect, but make no mistake about it, he is never the same again. And so what Paul is doing, Paul writes this letter to a church in a city called Corinth. So 1 and 2 Corinthians, as are most letters in the New Testament, they're letters to churches. So Corinthians was written to a church in a city named Corinth, Corinth, as we're going to talk about in just a moment, Corinth is a very, very, very large city. A lot of things happened in this city. There was a lot of trade and activity, a lot of nightlife. So, I mean, if there was a Vegas before there was Vegas, it was Corinth. And there was all kinds of things happening in the city of Corinth. And so Paul is writing to this church. And what Paul is is thinking about under the direction of the Holy Spirit, God is leading Paul to write down for this church, and by extension all of us here today, God is leading Paul to write down a a picture of what the Christian life looks like. 
God is leading Paul to put pen to paper and, and to write down to, 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 in his best to, to describe for us what the Christian life looks like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's easy to look like you follow Jesus on church on Sunday. Paul is talking about all the other hours of your life that you're not here. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And God leads Paul to write down, it looks like two things. Running a race and you're in a boxing match. But, but here's what kind of separates this passage from a lot of other passages in the Bible from me. Something that stands out for me from this passage is Paul is not simply telling the church at Corinth to run the race of Christianity. Paul is not simply telling this church and you and I something they need to do. Now, he's doing that, but that's not simply all he's doing. What Paul is really doing, Paul is telling this church and you and me how he had to live the Christian life. Paul is saying, listen, this is what I've got to do to follow Jesus. This this is what I've got to do Monday through Sunday, 24-7, 365. I've got to do this every day. This is what it looks like for me to follow Jesus. And listen, if this is what Paul had to do, this is what we need to do too. God God is pulling back the curtain in Paul's life, letting us in behind the scenes so that we can see what one of the most influential Christians, the guy who wrote half the New Testament, most of the New Testament, to see what it looked like for this man to follow Jesus day in and day out. Think about, think about it this way. Think about it this way. Maybe you are really into basketball. Maybe you are really into basketball. And I don't know who your favorite player might be. It might be Jordan, uh, LeBron, Stephon Curry. I don't know who it might be. But imagine you got one-on-one time with your favorite player. Imagine that. Imagine you got one-on-one time with your all-time favorite athlete, and, and, and you got to talk with them and even practice with them and work out with them, and they told you all their secrets. They told you how they got to where they were. They told you all the things that Sports Center doesn't cover so that you could later on try to get to where they are. Or, or maybe you're a business leader and you admire somebody in leadership from afar. You've read all of their books and you would love to take that person out to lunch and see what they, how they think and see how they got to where they are. That's what Paul is doing for us. Paul is pulling back the curtain in his life and saying, this is what it looks like for me to follow Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If somebody walked up to you and said, hey, you're a Christian, what's it look like to follow Jesus? What would you say? Well, you go to church a lot, and uh, the preacher yells at me to read my Bible. Well, uh, we try to do the right stuff, and we, you know, we try, to, try to be good so that in the end we can go to heaven. Hey, if, if somebody were to ask you what it looked like to follow Jesus, what kind of words would you use? Paul gives us three words. Three words that I want to highlight today to describe what it looks like to follow Jesus in the gap. Three words that Paul uses to tell you and I what following Jesus looks like in the gap. If you're a student, I think you ought to take notes today. If you're an adult, I think you ought to take notes today. Notes today. If you've got a pulse, I think you ought to take notes today. It's in the app. You can write it down on a sheet of paper. Write it down. You can get it tatted on you later. It's going to be awesome. Three words that I want us to see Paul use to describe what it looks like to follow Jesus in the gap. And the first word is run. The first word that Paul uses over and over in this passage is the word run. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? And the reason he does that is because in the city of Corinth, they had Olympic-style games that were called the Isthmian Games. And at the Isthmian Games, they had a lot of Olympic-type 
events. Two of the most popular events that they had in these games in the city of Corinth were running and boxing. And so Paul is saying, you see these guys run. You see these guys box. You see the discipline and the workouts that they've got to go through. You see the routine that they've got to go through. You see how they run, follow Jesus like that. Follow Jesus like that runner. Work out, follow Jesus like that boxer. That's what it's got to look like for you, following Jesus in the gap. See, I want to say something to us this morning, and I want to be really clear. You might want to seriously write this down because I never want you to forget it. There is no version of Christianity where following Jesus is optional. There is no version of Christianity where running after Jesus is optional. Now, here's what we need to say. Here's what I need you to say. When the Bible talks about running, when Paul talks about running in this passage, I need you to see the Bible is not saying Run to be saved. That's not what God is saying here. God is not saying run to be saved. Listen, there isn't a command in the scriptures where God says, do this so that you'll go to heaven. But you and I have heard people talk that way, haven't we? We've heard people describe Christianity that way. That Christianity is basically... Keep your nose clean, follow the golden rule, golden rule, try to help a few people, don't drink, smoke, chew, don't date girls that do, and then eventually you'll go to heaven, right? There isn't a single place in the Bible that talks that way. Instead, running, watch this, running after Jesus is the response of being saved by Jesus. Running is the natural response to being saved by Jesus. The worship team used to lead us in a song, and one of the lines in the song says, I am free to run. Jesus sets me free, why? To run after him. He's not saying, run or you'll go to hell. Run or I'm gonna judge you. He is saying, I have set you free to stop pursuing lesser things and to pursue the one ultimate thing, me. So Jesus sets us free to run. Running is the response to who Jesus is. But there is no version of Christianity Summit where where running after Jesus, following Jesus is optional. None. There isn't one. Christianity is not a country club. Did you know that? Did you know Christian, Christianity is not a country club where you come every week, consume a couple sermons, and then you might come back next week unless, if, if you don't have anything better to do. That's not how Christianity works. Jesus said, follow me. What is that? That is forward movement. Here, Paul, Paul is saying, run the race. Run. Listen to me. Following Jesus never means perfection, but it always means progress. That was good preaching. I will amen this sermon if you will not. Following Jesus always never means perfection, but it always means progress. There's there's no version of Christianity where Jesus saves someone and leaves them where they are. Now, I know there is a version of that in cultural Christianity, right? You know what cultural Christianity is, don't you? Cultural Christianity is where everybody is saved, even the squirrels are saved. We all grew up in church. We all know what the Bible is, and we all just somehow are saved and going to heaven. Glory to the Lord, right? Right? Cultural Christianity is my dad was saved, I must be. Cultural Christianity is my grandpa was a deacon, so I'm probably going to heaven. Cultural Christianity is I'm not as bad as my neighbor. My neighbor is a jerk. I'm totally saved. Right? Following G- Cultural Christianity, 
Following Jesus is optional. That's why cultural Christianity is not Christianity at all. It is not. Following Jesus is forward progress, not perfection, but progress. I want to show you that this is all this is the only way the Bible describes Christianity. I want to show you that this is the only way the Bible describes Christianity where where if I meet Jesus, I am going to pursue him. I am going to run after him. It's not a sprint. He's not talking about a 4-minute mile, but if I have met Jesus, there is going to be forward progress spiritually in my life. It's not optional. It's not secondary. If I've met him, I'm following him. All right? I want to show you this in the Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation. Don't stay where you are. Let's get moving forward. 2 Peter 3, 18 just simply says this. Grow. Everybody say Grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says grow. He doesn't say sit. He doesn't say watch. He says grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Hebrews 5, 11 through chapter 6, verse 1. Stop for a second before you read this. There is no other passage in the Bible like Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 1 because the author of Hebrews is actually talking about how Jesus is like this Old Testament priest named Melchizedek. And then right in the middle of his argument, the author of Hebrews literally stops what he's saying and says, forget it, you guys can't understand this because you're not growing spiritually. Watch this. This is in the Bible. About this, we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. That is not a compliment. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you ought to be leading a life group. You ought to be up here preaching. You ought to be leading a serve team. But instead, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk not solid food. Again, not a compliment. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a child, solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Watch this. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to, what's the next word? Maturity, grow up, let's move forward. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. First Timothy chapter four, verse seven through eight. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather train yourself, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And just in case you need to hear the words of Jesus on it, Luke chapter 9, 23 through 25. And Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and what? Follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Look at me right now. One of the most detrimental things you could ever do as a Christian is to believe you've arrived. Or to live like you have. Oh, well, I haven't arrived. Well, are you trying to grow? Nope. Oh, listen, there's all kinds of questions I have about God. Are you trying to get those questions answered? No. (laughs) Listen, Christianity is not a yacht. 
where you just kind of sit on the chair and take in the scenery and then people bring you spiritual cocktails. Sorry if you're a Baptist and you can't handle that illustration, right? Where people just bring you spiritual cocktails every single week and you watch other people serve while you ought to be serving. You watch other people making a difference while you ought to be making a difference. Look at me. This is why we do everything we do as a church. I don't know what you think when we're up here, when I'm up here talking about life groups and we talk about giving and serving, and when we talk about you getting plugged in, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know if you're sitting there looking at me and saying, that preacher's so cute. I love when he talks about life groups. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know. But listen, the reason we talk about life groups is because you can't follow Jesus alone. It's better to run together. The reason we talk about giving is because every time you give, it cuts the cord of materialism and greed in your life and reminds you that God is your provision, not your boss or your paycheck. The reason you need to make church a priority for your family is because we all need a weekly reminder that we are the people of God. The reason we always talk about reading the Bible is because, and I'll just say it so clear that nobody can misunderstand me, if this book does not have a regular place in your life, you are not growing spiritually. You're not. You can share Jesus memes on Facebook till the cows come home. But if this book does not have a regular place in your life where you are hearing the voice of God, how do I hear the voice of God? Read it. Read it. That's not happening. You're not growing. Are you running today? Are you running after Jesus? Well, I'm not perfect. Following Jesus never means you're perfect, but it always means progress. Are you pursuing him? Man, I got good news today. If you're not, if you're sitting there listening to this and you realize, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I got great news. You can begin one today. Jesus loves you, you can get saved today. I got good news if you're sitting there thinking, man, I used to be running so hard after Jesus and growing, and I'm not anymore. I got great news. You can start running again today. You can get back on track today. First word is run. First word Paul uses is run. Here's the second one, and and when I say it, would you like get real excited like you love this, like you love the fact we're gonna talk about this, okay? Here's the second word. Second word is discipline. Woo! Liars. Liars. We hate that word, don't we? We hate that word discipline. We hate, listen, we hate that word discipline because we live in a culture that says do what feels right. Do it, listen, if it feels right, do it. If it feels good on the inside, do it. And everybody else in the world has to say it's okay because it feels good to you. And if they don't say it's okay, they're intolerant. We live in a world where all the Disney princesses are telling us to follow our hearts and that's the problem in the first place. At least that's what happens in my house, I don't know. Right? Listen, listen, if we do what feels right in the moment, if if we always let our feelings and emotions and our passions drive and determine our lives, we are not going to follow Jesus. We are not going to. Now, 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 see, see, but but this has crept into the church. We've spiritualized this. See, one of our problems is we have lifted up our feelings and emotions to to a place of authority in our lives. Here's how a lot of Christians talk. Christians, people in church, people in this church. I'll just talk about this church since this is the one I go to. I hear people here. 
God can clearly tell, so I've heard people say this, they clearly see God tell them to do something in the Bible. Maybe get baptized. Maybe you need to get baptized. And you read it in the Bible. You read Matthew 28 and Romans 6 and all these places where Jesus says, you need to get baptized. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've never been baptized, you need to get baptized. And you read that and God is telling you to do it and you say this back to God. Well, I'll pray about it. <laughs> that sounds so spiritual. Oh, would you just let me pray about it? Because that's how we talk, talk a lot of times. We talk about God. We have to silence our voices and talk real sad. Let me pray about it. Or we say things like this. I just don't, I just don't feel led right now. I just don't think, I just, I'm, God's not leading me to do it right now. And God's telling us to do it in the Bible. Oh, God, I just don't feel led to do it. I just don't have a peace about it, God. And he's telling you to do it. Some of you are thinking, well, I can't believe this preacher's saying this. I'm going to jack his jaws. Listen, I'm a runner. I'll punch you and run away, and you're done. All right? But let me, let me tell, here, 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 here. Let me walk away from the Bible a second. I'll prove to you from a natural illustration that that is a horrible way to talk. Parents, listen to me. Parents, lean in. Grandparents, lean in. Um, what would you do if you went home today and you looked at your kids and you looked at your kids and you said, hey, I want you to go up and clean your room. And they looked back at you and said, let me pray about it. Pray about that. Your laughter tells me that some of you would do stuff to your kids that's barely legal. Hey, will you guys take out the trash? Mom, Dad, I don't feel led to right now. I don't feel, let me wait till God opens the door. And I'll have, I'll be in my room praying about taking out the trash. You would, listen, listen, listen. We, you would start jail ministry from the inside if your kids did that. We talk to, hey, we talk to God that way all the time. Don't we? Hello, hello. We talk to God that way all the time. Listen, I'm not saying your feelings and your passions don't matter. But see, see, they better not be in the driver's seat of the car of your life. I mean, they're in the car, but feelings and passions, emotions, they should not be given the keys to your life. They shouldn't be. See, see, so many times, so many times, listen to me, I promise what I'm saying to you right now is so important. So many times, we want God to give us feelings and passions and emotions, and then we'll be obedient. Do you know what obedience feels like? Obedience Obedience rarely feels spiritual. 99% of the time, obedience feels like obedience. Now, you don't want to hear that. You want to hear that the way God works in your life is you get a peaceful, easy feeling, and your hair stands up on the end on your arms, and you get goosebumps. and That's what you want. And it's not the Bible. See, here's the way it always works. I put it on the screen so you can see it. Obedience equals feelings and passion. Obedience always leads to feelings and passion. Listen to me. If you are going to live your life led by your feelings, passions, and emotions, listen, your marriage is in trouble. Right? Married people are afraid to amen, but inside you are like, amen, that's right. Because I feel like selling my spouse on eBay. Right? If you, listen, if you parent, if you parent only led by your feelings, emotions, and passions, you will not be the parent your children need you to be. If you follow Jesus only led by your feelings, passions, and emotions, your relationship with Jesus will be the most messed up roller coaster ever. 
You will. Say, I want, I, want, I, want, I want to be passionate about my wife the way that I was passionate the way we used to be. I want the passion back. Well, awesome, bro. Take her on a date. No, I think, I think you wanted to do more than that. Right? Right? But at li- right? I want, I, want, I want to feel like I used to feel about my spouse. Awesome. Pursue her the way you used to pursue her. Take her on a date. Text her about how stinking hot she is and you can't wait to see, girl, right? Come on. Instead of, I said something funny so I can set you up and say this. Instead of looking at everybody, instead of looking at other people's spouses and thinking they got it made and I got to go home to that. And you wonder why you don't have the passion you used to. I want a passion for the Bible, Mark. I want, a pa- I, want, I want to feel in love with this word. I want a passion for it. Awesome. Read it. Read it. Hey, if you want a passion for the Bible, read the Bible, and you'll get a passion for the Bible. I want a passion for prayer. Great. Pray. You want to be a passionate prayer? Pray. Mark, I'm not as passionate about church as I used to be. I know. You don't come. <laughs> this is such a fun day. Right? You, so, right? I'm not as passionate about church, Mark, as I used to be. I'm not as passionate about the things of God as I used to be. Well, it's clearly so. Now, hardly, you, you hardly ever come. Everything comes in front of church. You've got time for everything else but the things of God. It's obvious. It's obvious. Mark, I want to be passionate about telling my friends about Jesus. Great. Tell your friends about Jesus. You'll get a passion. Now, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, but if you will be faithful, God will be faithful to break through in your life. Obedience always leads to passion. I want, Mark, I want my passion back. How do I get my passion back? Do what you used to do when you were passionate. And don't worry about nobody else. You get your passion back and you pray for everybody else, but you be obedient and passion will come. Right? Right? Discipline. See, discipline, discipline sounds like saying no to the party that everybody else is going to, and they're going to think you're a loser because you ain't there. But you know, if you go, it's going to put you in a position you don't need to be in. Discipline. Say, I'm not a disciplined person. That's funny. You always watch the UK game when it's on. Why? Discipline. I'm not a disciplined person. You planned for six months to watch the season seven premiere of Walking Dead last week. Made sure your calendar was clear. Why? Discipline. I'm not saying anything is wrong. With UK, I might be saying something's wrong with bashing people's heads in with a baseball bat. Um, but uh, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. You are disciplined about what matters to you. That's why you always make your kids games. That's why you, I don't have, Mark, I don't have time to read the Bible. Cool, are you still eating lunch? Yeah, I always eat lunch. Why? Because you love lunch. Lunch matters, bro. It's because you're disciplined about things that matter. Discipline. So why should I discipline myself? Number three, last word. Last word, we're done. So run, run the race. Why? Not to be saved, but because you are. Two is discipline. I'm going to discipline my body, he says. Did you see that? I'm going to discipline my body, verse 27, and keep it under control. I'm going to fight like a boxer. I'm going to run the race. I'm not going to let my feelings and emotions drive my life. They matter, but I'm going to put God as the authority in my life, and I'm going to be obedient even when it isn't convenient. And when I always choose obedience, yeah, I'm not going to be perfect, but when I choose obedience, God is faithful to bring feelings, passion, and emotion to follow obedience, and that leads to number three, prize. Run, discipline, and prize. I mean, you've got to have a motivation if you're going to run, right? 
You gotta have a motivation if you're gonna discipline yourself. You know what Paul's motivation was? Paul says, I run the race. He says, verse 24, don't you know that in the race all the runners run, only one receives the prize. Run to get the prize. Run to get that prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. I am running. I am disciplining my body to get a prize that I could never lose. You know what the prize is? The prize is Jesus. He is the, Jesus Christ is the prize, nothing more and nothing less. Heaven is a benefit. Jesus is the prize. Heaven brings me into the presence of the prize. You see that? Heaven brings me into the presence of Jesus so that when I'm with him, I see him face to face for the first time. Faith gives way to sight. I can see him with my own two eyes. Heaven is the, heaven's a blessing. Jesus is the prize. And Paul says, I am going to get the prize. I love that confidence. I so want that confidence for our church. Summit, I want you to know that you're saved. I, I want our church to have assurance of your salvation. So many times I hear, I, I hear Christians, and I think we're joking around, but we need to watch ourselves. I hear Christians sometimes say, man, I hope I'm getting in. Hope I'm doing enough. Hope, hope, I'm, hope I'm doing things right so that I can get in. As if we sing the song, Jesus paid 15%. I do the rest. Right? That was awesome. That's why I should not be in the praise band. Um, that's not the song. What is the song? Jesus paid what? Jesus paid it all. Listen, God wants you to have assurance of your salvation. That I'm running this race because Jesus pursued me when I wasn't pursuing him. He has saved me and I will run out of everything for who he is. And because of what he's done in my life, I will discipline my body because he is going to get me to the other side of the gap. He is going to finish what he started in my life. I'm not perfect, but there is progress and I am going to pursue Jesus and I will see him face to face. God, listen, that is not Arrogance, that is faith. Confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But verse 27, we're done. If you haven't listened to anything, would you listen to this? Verse 27 is one of those verses that has scared Christians for centuries. Watch this. I discipline my body and keep it under control. Watch. Lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That last word has led to more debates, more division, more books, and a lot of air be, and a lot of a lot of insults being thrown among Christians than a lot of other arguments have in the history of Christianity. What does Paul mean when he says, "I am doing this so that I'm not disqualified"? Well, he's teaching that you can lose your salvation. Isn't that right, Mark? That's what a lot of people think this verse means. Paul is teaching that you can lose your salvation. So I'm going to say this real clear so that there's absolutely no misunderstanding of what I'm going to say. Look at me. You cannot lose your salvation. Period. You cannot lose your salvation. Period. Why can't you lose your salvation? Because what have we said in this series? Once God declares you not guilty, God cannot go back on the verdict that he has placed in your life. Why? Because we talked about it last week. There is no condemnation for those who? In Christ. God declares you not guilty in 
Christ. You are connected to Jesus, united to Jesus. Listen, if God were to abandon you as his child, he'd have to abandon his son because you are united to his son. If God were to stop loving you as his child, he'd have to stop loving his son because you are united to his son. You cannot lose your salvation, period. Tweet that. So what is it? What does he mean? Here's what he means. Please lean in. Here's what he means. Paul's saying this. He's saying, listen, church at Corinth and 2,000 years later, Summit Church in Hazard. If at any point in my life I stop pursuing Jesus, I stop running after Jesus, I, I, I just stop reading the Bible and I stop caring about the whole God thing, if I just walk away from it all and never come back, then you should have never thought that I was a Christian in the first place. Because true followers of Jesus, it's a bumpy road and there is not perfection, but there is progress. And they might walk away for a season, but a true son, of daughter, son or daughter of God, they will come back. And Paul says, listen, if I just walk away and say, forget the God thing, forget the Jesus thing, forget the preaching thing, I walk away, I'm going to live my life, make some money, I'll still be a good person, but forget the God thing. Then Paul says, listen, I was probably never saved to begin with. That is such an indictment. That is such an indictment against cultural Christianity that says you can pray to get saved when you're, when you're little or you can pray to get saved sometime when you're older and that decision really doesn't need to impact your life. You can be a good person. You can be nice. You can maybe have conservative or family values out there. You can live your life out there. and You can come here, put a mask on, but following Jesus is optional. Following Jesus, church, is not optional. It is not optional. If Jesus has saved you, there is going to be a pursuit of him. There will be. There will be. I am not talking a sprint, and I am not talking running a four-minute mile, but if you have encountered Jesus Christ he is going to change the direction of your life, and that direction will be towards him. And it might be painfully slow, and it might feel like a crawl, and in that gap, it might feel like it's you, and God hit the eject button. But I am telling you that any person who meets Jesus Christ will pursue Jesus Christ. They will. And that even includes People who, who seem to be really active in church, we've seen it here, who seem to be really active in church for a season and then they walk away and then they come back. Did they lose their salvation when they walked away? Absolutely not. But sometimes it's a bumpy road, but God brings his kids home. Jesus Christ, in the Gospel of John, says he does not lose any of his sheep. I want to say something to you. I want to ask you a question. And I asked this question in the first, month, first week of this series. How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know? Not perfection, not perfection, not perfection. I'm taking that off the table. Because nobody is, right? Nobody is. How do you know you're a Christian? Answer. What's the direction of your life? What's the direction of your life? Can you honestly say in your heart, I want to know Jesus? I want to pursue him. 
Can you honestly say from your heart, man, I, w- I want to know him. I want to live for him. I want to grow. Man, I got this addiction in my life. I mean, it is horrible, but I want it gone because it doesn't glorify Jesus. Can you honestly say that? Not perfection, progress. Man, I'm not who I used to be. Trust me, everybody that knows me will tell. I've got issues, but I tell you what, I am not who I used to be. Jesus Christ has made the difference, and he is changing my life. He's at work in my life. Can you say that today? Or are you just pursuing popularity and money or religion or the next high? I am telling you there are better, there is rather, a better pursuit and his name is Jesus. And so today, 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 I don't care what you have ever heard about Christianity. If you've always heard Christianity is for people, I told students this last night, if you've always thought Christianity is for people who have it all together. No, it's not. Christianity is for people who need help. If you need help today, Jesus is your help. If you, are, if you find yourself, something's going on inside of you, and all of a sudden for the first time in your life you realize you need a relationship with Jesus, don't let anything get in your way. You come to him today. How do I come to him? You come to him in prayer and you ask him to forgive you for your sins, come into your life and save you, and he promises that he will. You won't leave perfect, because remember, nobody is, but you will leave changed. You will leave changed. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. But listen, I want to say to our church today, if you find yourself at a place and God is moving in your heart today and you're saying, you know what, Mark, I was really growing a couple of months ago, weeks ago, years ago, and Mark, I'm just going through the motions now. Listen, I love you and I've got good news. You can start running again today. You don't have to jump through all these religious hoops and come to church for the next six months and do penance or whatever that is. You say, God, I'm sorry, I am coming back, and he will welcome you with open arms because he has never left you in the first place. Summit, I want to say to us, we are not home yet. We are not done. And we will see Jesus face to face, but until our faith gives way to sight and we lay eyes on Jesus, let's run the race. Let's discipline ourselves, not for the sake of discipline, not for religion's sake. Religion doesn't do anything for anybody. Let's discipline ourselves. Why? Because we have a higher calling. We have a higher purpose. And we want to know God. We're not disciplining ourselves to run and to be saved. We're doing it because we are. Let's run that race. Let's serve and let's love in the name of Jesus until he brings us home. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray that right now you would speak to hearts. You move in our lives, God. What a word from the Apostle Paul as he he pulls back that curtain and just lets us in. Say, as he says, I'm not perfect. Man, I got so many issues. I'm so far from where I need to be, but I'm not who I used to be. And I'm running and I'm pursuing. And I want to know Jesus. And Paul is laying down for us what it would look like for a teenager to follow Jesus. Paul is laying down for us what it would look like for a mom, dad, a grandparent business leader, a janitor, a teacher, a CEO, follow Jesus. Paul is laying down for us today. It looks like for for a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, follow Jesus. Paul is laying down for us what it looks like to follow Jesus in a hospital bed. What it looks like when we get the news we didn't want to hear. Paul is laying down for us what it looks like to follow Jesus when things are great Jesus, 
Draw your church to yourself. Draw our hearts to you. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. I just want to ask a simple question today. I just want to ask a simple question. If you say, Mark, today was for me and God spoke to me today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand, put it up high so I can pray for you right now. Just raise your hand. Say, Mark, today was for me. God spoke to me today. Raise your hand up real high. Not halfway, all the way. There's a hand right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand up high. There's a hand right there. There's another hand right here. Today was for me. There's hands going up all over the section to my left. God bless every one of you. Anybody else? Just raise that hand up high. Father, I pray right now for all these people who've raised their hands, God. Thank you that you are a God who speaks. You're calling us to run after you today. You're calling us to pursue. Jesus, anybody that needs to lay down sin that might be holding them back, pray they'd let us, pray they'd let it go. Anybody that needs to get back on track with you, pray that they get back on track. Pray they would start pursuing you with fresh and new love. While we're in the spirit of prayer, you might be here today and you need to receive Jesus for the first time. We do this every single week because I don't want to let a Sunday go by where somebody might not, might need an opportunity to give their life to Jesus and now this is your time. If you want to be saved today, if you want to give your life to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this, this prayer is not magic words. Just try to help you describe what God might be doing in your life. And if you want to be saved today, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today. Forgive me for all my sin and be my Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that I am brand new because you said so. Forgiven because you said so. I love you, Jesus. In your name, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, would you just pray that prayer? I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, anybody that gave their life to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand high, not halfway, just extend that elbow all the way out, raise that arm up high. One, two, three, if you gave your life to Jesus today for the very first time, just raise your hand high in the air so that I can see it and acknowledge it and pray for you. Just raise your hand high today so we can celebrate with you. Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would let what we've seen today from your word lay on us and pierce our hearts, Jesus. God, right now as we make preparations to receive our offering, Father, I pray that Jesus... Our offering would be that what we give today would be a reflection of our hearts, that we'd give our hearts to you in a fresh and new way here in this moment. Jesus, we would see you for all that you are, that you are worthy of of being pursued because you've pursued us. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to take your connection card out. Dana's going to come and uh, lead us in our time of receiving our offering. But I just believe there are people here in this room today that God spoke to you. And I would love to know how we can pray for you. There's plate, there's space on that connection card where you can let us know how we can pray for you. There's also space to let us know what God did in your life today because I believe that when we come into the presence of God, He doesn't leave us the way we are. He changes us. So maybe you need to get baptized. Hey, make that move today. Maybe you want to serve, get plugged in, make that move today. Say, hey, I want to grow. What can I do to grow? I tell you what, you can join a group. I lead a life group that meets, uh, meets Wednesday nights at 6.30 at our student building. Come to that group. Mark, what's another way I can grow? I'll tell you something else, tell you something else you can do. Right out there in the lobby to, our, to your right, the welcome table, all kinds of Bible reading plans. Won't you grab one of those on your way out today? But as we're taking our offering, fill out your connection card. And any way we can pray for you, decision you made, drop that in those baskets today as well. Dana, you go ahead and you lead us.
was almost disastrous. Um, another thing that Mark didn't mention or I didn't hear him mention, if today is your first time here with us today, uh, we have a free gift for you. So when you exit the auditorium to your right, just fill out that card and take it to the welcome area and they will give you your free gift. If you're a first timer, it's a, a, a CD with a couple songs from our worship band. Um, and if today is your second time here with us, then uh, I want to direct you to something that we do immediately after church that's right here to the right, and it is called First Steps with Mark. Um, he has a free gift for you, too. If you can't stick around for that today, then you can take that to the welcome area as well and get your free gift. It is a gift certificate to Cold River Grill for a personal pizza. Uh, if you've not had their pizza, it's great. So you will want to uh, make sure that you get that. And for everybody else, like Mark said, the connection card is a great way to, uh, to indicate any next step that you might have. Um, I didn't introduce myself, but my name's Dana Hall, and I am the Next Steps Coordinator here at Summit. And so for everybody, um, Next Steps looks a little bit different. It's not the same for everyone, but like Mark preached about today, um, life is a race, and that is just one step after another, and we're just continuously trying to get to that finish line. So, um, so I encourage you to discover what your next step is and to, uh, and to take that step. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Let the Lord direct your steps. Um, do the things that, that he tells us to do to grow. One of the things that I would encourage you guys to do would be to, to join a life group. It is a great opportunity to make a much larger church seem very small, to, uh, to grow and to, uh, to get to know people that will pray for you and will be there for you. And it's just truly an amazing thing. So uh, make sure that you take, uh, you take a t- some time and you fill out that card and indicate any next step or prayer request that you might have, and you can drop it in the basket as you leave. But now is the time for our auditorium. I'm sorry, for our offering in the auditorium. So if they will all get in place, all of our ushers will take their place. And while they're getting in place, just a reminder that when you guys give some things that, uh, that we are able to do, was like our event that we had last night, it was amazing. And like Mark said, five, uh, five kids gave their life to Christ. And it was, uh, it was a remarkable time, and a lot of fun was had. And while we've been meeting in here, the kids have been back there having trunk or treat and getting all jacked up on sugar, and then they're going to go home with you. But that is things that we're able to make happen uh, with your generosity. So will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for, um, for bringing us all here together today. Thank you for just a wonderful message. Lord, um, I thank you for everyone that's giving here today, uh, whether it be online or through the app. Um, Lord, thank you for everyone just giving with such a, such a happy heart. And Lord, I just pray that, uh, that you will continue to work through us and you will work through this offering. And we will do things that we cannot even imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And before everybody runs out, and so that everybody will have some time to fill out their connection cards, the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I don't know where he went. He's right here. Come out here. And generally, I have a video, and usually it doesn't work, and it's really awkward. Uh, So I didn't do a video this year. So, um, but I wanted to say a few things. Um, I've been friends with this guy for a really long time. Like, I have known him since, uh, since we were kids in grade school. And so I have been, I have been blessed that uh, I have got to watch the transformation of Mark. And I have, um, I have 
got to work here all these years, and um, I have been here since the beginning, and it has truly been a blessing. He is a blessing to me, and uh, his family is a blessing to me. Um, Elena is wonderful, too, and she is just much as much deserving in this as he is. And since I don't have a video, and I'm going to try to not get emotional, um, I still wanted to do something special. Um, so there's a lot of people here today. Can we turn up the lights? So there's quite a few people here today. And um, a lot of you guys have been here since the beginning. And so I wanted to ask you guys a question and ask if you'd do me a favor. So if you're here today, and the fact that uh, Mark and Alina listened, uh, listened to the Lord and they followed the call in their heart and they came here and they started Summit, if that somehow impacted your life um, and has changed your life in some way, would you please stand? That, my friends, pretty amazing. So thanks for being you. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks for being our pastor. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Thank you, guys. I love being here. God bless. I, I love being here. I knew we were going to do this today. This is not my first rodeo. This is not my first rodeo. Come here, Dana. I knew you were going to do this today. And I just now told Ryan McGrainer, I'm going to come out here and make Dana cry. So, so I've been putting something together for you today, Dana. Shut the front door. I thought you were, I totally, <laughs> thank God that's what you said. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I thought we were just like, dismiss, dismiss. I thought that was getting real hairy. So I've been, uh, so, so I've been talking to a lot of people here. Dana, we love you. And, and we do this every year. It's, you know, pastor appreciation. But, but I wanted and we wanted to say thanks to you because you work so hard here and sacrifice so much. And you, you just do so many amazing things here at this church. And so I want you to see all of these people standing. And God has used you in their lives, in all of these lives. And so we love you, Dana. And so I want to give it up for Dana. Thank you. Thank you. And... And Dana, we put together something for you guys. So right here is a little something for us, uh, from us, because we love you. We love Ron. We love Peyton. We just thank the world of you guys, man. Our church wouldn't be what it is without you. We love you guys. Absolutely. She's trying. I knew it. I knew it. Boom. All right. Hey, hey, thank you guys so much for being here. Next week is uh, next week is the Sunday before the election, and so I'm going to tell you three things that are still true no matter who wins. It's going to blow your mind. Be here next week. Love you guys. You're dismissed. See you.